Thank you to Exoskin. If you haven't tried them, feel free to use my promo code T, the number 4U20 for 20% off. They make socks, calf sleeves, high-quality base layers with patented fiber technology that provides superior protection against chafing, blisters, hot spots, and most importantly, odor. But they are looking for ambassadors, so check out their website if you're looking for an ambassadorship. Big thank you to our newest supporter, Ultimate Direction. Excited to use their packs throughout all of 2019. Excited to tell you, you know, what pack I really like and what I'm using throughout the year. Big thank you to Destination Trail. Really like what they're doing. Candace Burt and her team enjoyed their Moab 240 race. I'm going to do the triple here soon, but they have a variety of races that you guys definitely need to check out if you have some free time. And yeah, if you haven't tried Hammer, feel free to use my promo code. It is 25, 28, 88, and you'll save 15% off your first order. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. I know I'll be using a lot of their gels and Perpetuum and Recoverite throughout 2019. Also their Fizz. And lastly, thank you to Sufferfest Beer. Beer with benefits. I know I'm willing to sweat for this beer, that's for sure. But they have a, a big variety. So if you haven't tried out the Taper, the Repeat, the Shakeout, FKT, and Flyby, give them a shot. Definitely try them out. It's just a good tasting beer. Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. Welcome to episode 79 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And today's episode is a simulcast with 10 junk miles. Scott Coomer and I just chat running for a long time. It was really fun. He's a super nice dude. So truly appreciate Scott's time and you know pleasure, honor, honor being on 10 junk miles. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. You pick up a few, few tips here and there and get to hear our stories. So it was fun chatting with him. So it's a big 24 hours for, for me. My book comes out. It's available on Amazon for the digital Kindle version, and then it's available on trainingforultra.com for the physical. Reach out to me. I'll personalize a copy for you if you want. Just send me an email or message me. Um, and then the audio audiobook will be available late March. So a lot in the works and just truly appreciate the support. Big thank you to the Patreon supporters. You guys are absolutely amazing, and it's exciting that that just keeps growing. I enjoy the conversations behind the scenes and bouncing ideas off you guys and hearing how your runs go. So I definitely focus on you guys a lot um, and just I'm truly thankful for you. So I have a mini book tour at Runner's Roost. If you're local in Denver, check out your local Runner's Roost. I think my book will actually be there, which is pretty cool. And I'm going to try to do a group run at each of the locations. So awesome to work with runner's roost hopefully we get a few more cities involved i think i'm going to do boulder and hopefully a few more so big thank you again you know this has been multiple years in the works i've put you know a a ton into this book and my only objective is to motivate you whoever you are that person listening like i just want you to fundamentally be inspired to run so hopefully enjoy it I'm going to hit a few more sponsors. I'll give you a taste of the book, and then let's get to the uh, the main event with 10 Junk Miles. 
Enjoy your training. Welcome to Training for Ultra. Ultra running stories from the middle of the pack. By Rob Steger. Read by the author. Copyright 2019. From the back cover. I couldn't run a single mile. I was overweight with high blood pressure and cholesterol levels off the charts. Stress was ravaging my body and my life. Sparked by my father's brush with death, it was necessary for me to change everything. First defining my diet, I began to shed pounds and tried lacing up my running shoes for the first time in years. I ran a mile, another mile, and then more. I decided to take on the goal of running an ultramarathon. Through sharing this detailed account of my first three years of running from the middle of the pack, I hope to show you you can accomplish even greater goals than you may think. I found that the experience of training for Ultra was as rich and fulfilling as the race event itself. Here's my story of pursuing ultra marathons, how I transformed myself, how you can become a runner and even an ultra marathoner too. podcast episode 79 i'm joined by scott coomer of 10 junk miles and i think i'm joining him on his podcast so scott it's awesome to uh link up and get to chat here hey everybody nice to nice to be on your show and nice to have you on mine and um, i love doing these things because then sometimes our listeners will find a new podcast and vice versa absolutely yeah it'll, it'll be fun to um get to know each other and hopefully we'll do a few more of these in the future so when we've already discovered that we're both from wisconsin so that's you know kind of interesting right right there i knew i liked you i knew i liked you i didn't know why so now we're pinning it down i assume you we, like some good beers too if you're from wisconsin i did but maybe just a little too much and i had to too stop much? with the beers yeah so understandable I'm, I'm on the other side of it but you know what good for I, you that, good for you now that we mentioned that we're both from wisconsin i also want to point out that Ryan Pluckelman from the East Coast Trail and Ultra podcast is from Wisconsin, and Jessica Corsat from the Sugar Stripe podcast is from Wisconsin. There's a lot of good running. I mean, the Ice Age trails there, there's just a lot of really beautiful areas, if it's not snowing, you know. Did you run on any of those places when you were living here? No, no. I was a hockey player and a golfer. So I've been to just about every place in Wisconsin due to travel hockey from a young age. Um and I didn't take up running until I was almost 30. So it was 2015, late 2015. And then it looks like you came to Wisconsin and ran the races here, though. I did. Yeah, it's weird because I talk about it in the book. I kind of wanted to show my wife and my, and my family, like, you know, this is where I grew up. And we actually went down to the beach and checked out, like, exactly where I grew up. We walked down my road that I actually had kind of like a childhood ton of childhood memories from so yeah but how um how long were you in wisconsin because you're in illinois now yeah i lived in wisconsin until i was about 30 
and then I moved to Chicago for law school. Okay. And that, you know, somewhere like right at the end of law school, I, I end up meeting a guy who's a like maybe sub elite marathoner who says, hey, let's all, you know, as a law firm, go run a marathon. And that's kind of like how I got, you know, first into running, running. This is maybe like, uh, like 1999-ish. And then um, about, I mean, 2005, I did a 50K, but that's kind of an outlier. Uh, I didn't really dive into ultra running until maybe 2011. So, but uh, all all of my running happened in, in Chicago. And I, like you, then go back to Wisconsin and, oh, here's this, you know, Ice Age trail that I never took advantage of in Kettle Moraine, which I, you know, I never did any of those things when I lived there. Yeah. I mean, I even will go back to like my college town in Ohio and I look around and there's all these awesome trails. And I'm like, why? Why did I not in college pick up trail running? Like, I never. I, I just, unless it was a golf course or something, I like just never went out into nature and trail running was kind of what was the catalyst for me. Um, what was, what was your catalyst? Why did you decide to pick up ultra running after kind of that hiatus? Well, I, um, I kind of struggled with the marathon trying to, trying to run faster. And at some point I just realized that it was never going to happen. And about that time I got married started to slow down in my running life. And then I picked up this book by a guy named Mishka Shubale, which is called um, The Long Run. And it's a book about a guy who was a rock star and drug addict and alcoholic, got this crazy idea to go run 50 miles. And when I read it, I thought, you know what? I'm not really good at running short or running fast. Maybe I could try to run long. And this book kind of inspired me to kind of dive into what is ultra running and, you know, buy other books and hook up with the local ultra running group and things like that. And when I got there and met those people who were, you know, belching and drinking and eating pizza and nobody really asked me how fast I finished anything in. And it was just like this whole culture that I wanted to just be a part of. It was like, these are my people. And uh, that's how I kind of dove into that. That's super weird. I mean, I'm classic. Like I read the, Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Carnassus, and that was my eye opener. But it's interesting that it was a book for both of us that got us into it. Um, I'm like forever grateful for Dean for writing that book. And a lot of people, I don't know, there's like mixed emotions. Some people love him. Some people are like, oh, he got too many people into the sport. But man, he that book changed my life. And I wasn't even a runner at the time. And it took me several years to even pick up running. But I'm, like, forever grateful. Um, now, have you ever gotten to meet him? I've talked to him in person, or not in person, just, like, over Skype a few times. Um, and honestly, for my first, for my one year of running kind of, like, anniversary type deal, rebirthday, um, I went out to the North Face Endurance Challenge in Wisconsin to meet him. And, like, his kid was graduating, so he missed that event. So I was, like, super bummed out. Um, but I have not. No. Have you? Um, I think I bumped into him, but I, I don't, he's not someone that I know and not someone that I have a, a real strong feeling about. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I think he's an interesting guy and I don't understand why anybody has anything bad about him. You know, I know. About him. I know. But, but I'm always curious about people when they, when they're inspired by someone. So like this Mishka Shibale, he and I are really good friends now. Oh, you know, cool. He, he comes to my house and does house shows and, you know, he and I talk all the time and, you know, like when I interview people, for example, you might know who this is. Do you know Susan Donnelly? I mean, I've heard the name. I don't. 
Okay, yeah, she's run like a hundred hundred milers. And okay. when I interviewed yeah. her, she mentioned her story. You know, her inspiration was this Anne Trace, and she saw it in a magazine when she was a kid. And I'm always like curious because I because I asked her, you know, have you ever gone and like said, hey, I just want you to know that you inspired me, and it's astonishing to me how how few people do that. You know, and and so yeah. I wanted to ask, you know, have you gone and said, you know, maybe sent a message or an email to Dean and say, Dean, I just want you to know that, but for you, you know. I don't exist. This 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 uh, podcast doesn't exist. My book doesn't exist. And then all the people that you've impacted, right. you know, they all kind yeah. of owe something back to him, you know, in the first place. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, Dean and I, we sometimes text message and email um, and that sort of thing. But and I I have told him I think before recording, like you know, you you made a serious impact on my life, and I appreciate it. I think he he probably has gotten that so many times that to oh, God, him, yeah. he's like, yeah, like, I appreciate it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and part of me is like, I have to pay that forward. So it's, it's super weird. Like, I think I might have died at age 40 or 45 if I didn't pick up running. So I would have five to ten years left on my life. And at this point, I think 75 is very comfortable for me. Um, so, you know, reading that single book allowed me to see my kids graduate college and, you know, retire and live out some, you know, some time that I don't think I would have had if I hadn't picked up running. So it's, it's really, really meaningful to me. And, um, yeah, I mean, I sound kind of lame saying all this stuff, but I truly feel like that was part of the genesis of writing the book that I wrote. Like, even if it, only fundamentally impacts 10 people that's 10 people that like i know how much my life changed by reading dean's book and so if i can affect 10 people it was worth all the hours of just gutting it out and editing and you know it's not all how glamorous writing that stuff and having to go through the process but it was so worth it if i can really help 10 people and just like you i mean what it you know if if you hadn't picked up that book i mean how much different would our lives be, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a show here with Mishka, like a house show, and, and I had said, you know, like I introduced him, and afterwards I passed the hat, and I just said, just so everybody knows, I read this book, and then I went on to found the ultra-running group in Chicago that has 2,000 members and to start the podcast that's been going on since 2015. And, awesome. and I also started the ultra-runners in recovery for people that recovered from drugs and alcohol. And, like, it, it just goes on and on and, on, you know, the races that we're putting on and, you know, mm -hmm. all of that. And it all goes back to that. So it's like you always have to think, you know, I could be inspiring someone and that that could. You definitely you know, and then, are. And then yeah. what Mishka says, you know, he's just like, well, you know, all I did was run 50 miles. And now Coomer goes and does all this other crazy shit. And, you know, I kind of feel like, ugh, you know, like, I didn't do as much as he did. But uh, yeah. it's, it's not so a awesome. it's not a competition like that's that's what's really weird about my mind frame over the past few years is like. I don't it, like it doesn't matter um and especially being in middle to back of the pack like just finishing a race is life-changing it doesn't matter what place you're in and then once you like apply that to more things in life you start writing books you know like you start founding Chicago's ultra running club and have 2,000 people that you're helping out like it just I don't know I just feel this like fundamental desire to help people and it's as simple as just make that one run that you were going to miss and you decide to feel inspired and like go out for it. Or like you, 
you make that one healthy food decision that you would have not done. So I think hopefully we're helping people, Scott, and and hopefully they help people. And all of a sudden, you know, this community gets better and better. Well, and I just want to say for the listeners uh, of my show that might not be familiar with, because I'm sure you've talked about it a lot on your show. Um, what he's talking about is a book called Training for Ultra, Ultra Running Stories from the Middle of the Pack. And it's got this nice picture of you, and I hope that's your son and not some stranger. That That is my son, Scott. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was his son running on the front. And um, I've read about the first maybe 40 pages of the book. I just got it today. Uh, and I think, was it just released today, too? Uh, tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow. Well, I got, a, I got an advanced copy then. That's nice. You did. You were part of my, my special group. Scott. No, then I wrote another, <laughs> another one for myself too. But so one of my first observations I made is it's a, it's a book about the middle of the pack. Now I've seen books about the front of the pack and I've seen maybe a couple books, not many about the back of the pack, middle of the pack. That's Gra- really different. And ground, the other thing is groundbreaking, right? Yeah. Well, and <laughs> here's the other thing, middle of the pack. Now you, I, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of your shows and you've had a lot of really, really, you know, exciting and interesting people. I mean, people that I, that I really look up, like Sally's a good example or Pete, you know, these are people that are just legends and they're just, they can do anything. And I like hearing their stories and I get inspired from them, but I don't learn as much from them. And I'm not as inspired from them as I am from an everyday person doing the thing that I want to do. And so when I see someone like you, who's trying to do the grand slam of two hundreds this year, you know, or when I see someone, you know, who's an average or back to the middle of the pack person, finishing bad water, finishing, you know, Western yeah. States. Yeah. I look at that and I think maybe I could do that, you know, and, and I know that that's what gets people from, well, I could never go do any of that stuff. You know, I'll just stay on the couch and watch TV to if that guy can go, even if, even if you fail, even if I fail, when they see me, they say, what is, why am I, why am I afraid to go f- try this? You know, the worst that could happen is, is what this guy's doing right here. <laughs> you know, like totally, if I, totally. If I DNF in front of the entire, you know, internet, it's like thousands of people are commenting on this DNF. Why am I sitting on the couch afraid of DNFing? I'm going to go give it a go too, you know? And to me, as someone who's in the middle of the back of the pack, you're in an even better place to inspire people. Uh, the middle of the pack special. Cause it's just basic, like, you know, the statistical chart of like a bell shaped curve, like, most of the people are in the middle. Like, that's where the most fun is. That's where the party's at. Um, <laughs> and it honestly, I started this from such a, like, humble beginning. Um, I took one photo of each of my runs and threw it on Instagram. And my whole point was get out there because I have sort of like an artsy side. And I'm like, you know, get out on that trail run, take one photo. And then, like, just zone out and enjoy it. Um, And I was totally surprised. So I was doing this for myself to motivate myself to get out and take a photo and run. And all of a sudden, like, the feedback was I was inspiring people to go run, which was totally, like, mind-boggling because I was doing this for myself initially. And, yeah, as it grew, um, I I, that's the second most common comment or question that I get like I get the how do you train being a dad and like working full-time that's like first question second yeah second most uh like commented mention is like I can I can actually relate to your your background like I'm a working parent like I work 
I have to pay the mortgage or pay rent or whatever. I, you know, I have to take care of my kids and I'm training for an ultra and I didn't think ultras were for normal people. I thought they were only for super elites and watching your progress and watching your updates. Like I realized maybe I can even try that. So I think that's Scott, that's what you and I are doing is we're planting the seed that like, it's possible to be a normal, a normal person and actually go for ultra marathons. So I know it's long, long winded. Hopefully you're awake over on that side. Did the Instagram, was that like step one before the podcast even started? Way before. That was okay. the almost the very first time I went on to a trail, I took a photo. So just go scroll back on Instagram to my very first photo, and that's the very first time I was on the trail. I, wrote, I wore road shoes. It was super muddy. I messed up everything. You know, I just share it how it goes. I mean, it... Some, was that for the purpose of inspiring? Did you have a plan at that time, or is that just something you did? I went out and wanted to explore the trails because I was coming off a really low low. Like, I busted my knee, and I had figured out, like, running was what made my life work. Like, it balanced out all my, you know, work stress and, like, family stress and everything else. Um and I just wanted to get out there and I didn't care how quick I went. Like I literally, I didn't care about my pace at all. I just wanted to explore the trails and have fun and go on an adventure. Cause I mean, these days it's kind of hard to go explore, do anything sort of unique. So went out looking, there and yeah, it helped looking, my knee. Looking back now, have you figured out why it was that you connected so much with running on trails uh well like at that point in your life why it was so critical i have yeah it's um it's called the big trail test it's a chapter in my book uh, mile 17 that's where i started training for ultra i realized at that moment like i was training for ultra so i was like after taking second to last place in my very first half marathon which was like on a uh, bike path I literally almost took very very last place at a local half marathon and uh, my follow-up to busting my knee during that race and just squeaking by was uh, exploring the trails and I had to finish this 30k like it was make or break if I didn't finish that 30k I look back and I'm like I probably would have stopped running so it was like this it was this important moment like it that was the race and it was mile 17 that i realized like i'm training for ultra which is super weird i became an ultra runner before a long before i had actually run an ultra marathon what had you um did you have a, a game plan in mind at that point in time like i want to be an ultra runner i'm training for ultra was it like you know i read the dean book and i'm gonna run i'm gonna run that western states i'm gonna run that bad water did you no or, you know like no, what to, was the plan? Uh, to run a 50K was like my ultimate goal when I first was even toying with the idea. And I was like, I can just run one and be done. And like, that's the ultimate. Like, I can call myself an ultra runner the rest of my life. So, and then you, is this this Thunder Bunny 50K in Athens? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I finished that, but right around the same time I started toying with 50 milers just because there was a local one that was 50 miles north of me. And, uh, 
that <laughs> I describe in the book, I'm like scared out of my mind. Like, and I'm, I'm watching people pick up the hundred miler bibs and I'm like, how in the hell are these people doing this? Like, <coughs> like I'm out here scared out of my mind to do 50 miles and people are drinking a beer and relaxing, having fun. And they're going to do twice that distance the next day. Like, I don't, yeah. So I eventually, I just jumped in the deep end and I learned how to swim is how kind of I summarize it. I mean, well, when was this half marathon? Half marathon was November, 2015. It was, uh, probably two months after I started running. So you went half marathon and then less than six months later, you went 50 K and then just bang, 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 50 mile, 50 K. I mean, it looks like you just, you marathon. just yeah, I did marathon 50 K 50 miler in the following in this is month by month. So April, May, June, and July, I went for a hundred miles. July of, of 16. Well, when, what was that? That was, that... um, burning river hundred. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, you, just, you just went you just went all in well yeah i didn't i don't want to ruin the book but yeah i learned a lot from that race but i realized how to run 100 miles as opposed to actually doing it there so then at what point do you decide i want to start podcasting and why how does that come about yeah that's a good question i i joke around like my wife is so like yours is probably like so sick of talking about ultra running like if I even talk ultra running with her, she's like, okay, yeah, that's great. Like she just, her brain's like, turn off. Like I'm, I'm done talking already. So like initially I joked around, like I need some people to talk ultra running with. Um, but I also was like, I started getting some serious amounts of comments and feedback and emails that I was inspiring people through the Instagram account. So I was like, okay, I gotta just, I was listening to some podcasts and they were like, Every question was like, yeah, I would have hit that too. And then like, you didn't go down this avenue. And I wanted to hear like, you know, that aspect of the uh, person's interview. So I was like, I think I can add value. I don't think there's too many podcasts out there. Um, so let's just go, f let's, again, let's just jump in the deep end and we'll just learn how to swim. And if you listen to my first episode, I'm really sorry. And my second episode with EO Wang, I'm sorry. Like... But over time, it gets a little bit better. I get more comfortable. But I've applied that whole aspect of just like with the book. I've obviously never read, written a book prior. So it's just like, let's just jump into the deep end and we'll learn learn to swim as we go. And sometimes that's an awful way to go about life and you drown. And it's like the worst experience. But sometimes it works out. Well, it's interesting to me because so like our show – you know, my motivation was basically, you know, I have a lot of friends, a lot of running friends here in Chicago, and we go and we do fat asses or we do, you know, group runs on the weekends. And there's this big group of maybe like, you know, 20 people sometimes that'll show up. And I would have friends all over the country on Facebook say, oh, I wish I had a big group to run with. Right. And that kind of sparked this idea in my mind that, you know, one of the things I love about running and training on trails is that we all get together and we spend our whole day out there together and we talk about all kinds of random stuff and there's, you know, goofy jokes and discussions about, you know, what was your favorite cereal when you were a kid and, you know, which nut belongs in the mixed nut and which nut, you know, needs to <laughs> screw off. You know, like just totally. random shit. Hazelnuts, and, um, by the way. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if I could produce a podcast that could be your, your running friends 
to take out on a run when you don't have anyone to run with. And, that, cool. and so, yeah. yeah, so we all got in my basement and we, we got a, a bunch of alcohol. And I, I think it's kind of like the, like when you go karaoke, you know, those, the insecure girls that all get up there together drunk and they kind of half-ass sing stuff <laughs> as a group. So then they kind of, they look dumb as a group, so they're okay with it. So like, that's kind of my jumping off the, you know, the deep end is, but, but I had friends and, and we, we just talked to each other when we didn't know what we were doing. Whereas for you, you're just like miking it up and you're going one-on-one, like right from the get-go. And yeah. you have, you know, I mean, that's a whole different situation. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've been told it's super difficult to go solo with podcast interviews. And again, I I mean, it is what it is. You know, I don't know anything else. So how did um, you learn? Uh, trial and error. <laughs> I, I've learned the hard way um, through just about every aspect of my life. So. So you didn't um, find like another podcaster and like pick his brain or, you know, like read books or, or, I mean, like, how did you even learn how to get into the podcasting world? I like literally just, I was, <laughs> I was like laying on the ground, <laughs> like I stand up now, which is a recent improvement um, since doing the audiobook. I've learned like standing up to talk with a microphone is a lot easier. Um, but I was like laying on the ground, like just, I had the cat. Our, our house cat like coming up and like swatting at me like mid interview and um i again what it go what it boils down to is all that stuff was like i'm not going to edit i'm not going to do all this stuff like it is what it is i want to get this out there to inspire people so like i i know it's not going to be the greatest podcast ever i know i'm not going to be winning any awards for any of this same with my running like i'm doing this ultimately to pay forward what has been paid me like like people that like a you know a a ginger runner and trail runner nation and you know 10 junk mile um they put forth all this effort they're getting paid almost nothing but i found so much inspiration i've learned so much from it like i just have to i have to pay it forward you know i have to inspire a few people because i've been so inspired by so many of my predecessors so so is there any part of you when you're when you're setting up and doing this and you're you know you're contacting you know eo wang and john kelly and you know where you're like well i'm i'm a mid back of the packer and i'm not a famous person so it's kind of weird me coming out there and interviewing these people and approaching them and and talking to them do you feel intimidated about that was there any pushback on those things I mean, I think what the listener might not realize is, like, I get comments like, hey, reach out to so-and-so, they just won this race, or, you know, uh, talk to this person, because they're really awesome, and it's like, I did reach out to them, they didn't respond to me, like, there's, like, and it's almost one of those, like, uh, like, the sales guy that knocks on all the doors and gets declined, like, 99 times, and then, like, the one person lets them in. Um, that's sort of how things have gone for me, you know, like in over time, I think I've gained a little bit of respect, um, from the community, but yeah, it was, it's very, it was very humbling to start with and it helped. I mean, like EO was a huge supporter from literally like my fourth trail run on Instagram. I don't know why she followed me and liked my stuff, but she was on like the cover ultra runner magazine and liked my update on my four miler at 
16 minute pace. So it was like, like I, I just felt comfortable reaching out to her and there were a few people that gave me a little bit of confidence. And so that's why I try to like as much stuff on Instagram. Like I, if I'm helping one or two people feel just a little bit more confident, like that's what it's all about. So, I mean, how'd you, how did you feel when you were starting reaching out to people? Well, it was, it was kind of weird because so like we started out with these group shows and in the group shows, I would have a guest from my local running community. So there was no, we're getting experts type situation. I wasn't interviewing any famous people. And then at some point I decided that I wanted to do long form one-on-one interviews with people that I was interested in, in the running community, irrespective of whether they're, they're good or bad, fast or slow, famous or not. Like, you know, there's. Yeah, There's some like yeah. characters, you know, like a, yeah. like a good example is I don't know if you know who this is, but uh, Chipping Fu. Do you know who that? No, like, no, I need to listen to that one. Well, he's like he's a Taiwanese guy. He lives up in um, San Francisco, and he just goes to like all of these super hard ass ultras, and he's you know, towards the back of the pack. And sometimes he takes like mass transit. So he'll take like the bus from San Francisco to Tahoe and then a bus from Tahoe to the start of the race. And he'll go do like a hundred miler and then he'll take the bus back home. It's just, That's but he's awesome. one of those, he's like a person that like, if you, if you do a lot of mountain races, you see him all the time and you wonder who is that guy? You know, he's got, yeah, you know, yeah. he's got kind of a thick accent. You know? So like people like that. Um, I really like to interview people that you see at races all the time and, and everybody wonders, I wonder what their story is, you know, cause they're That's... always here. You know what? What's I've never shared this publicly before, but if I've talked to someone like at a race and they were just a total jerk to me, sometimes I don't reach out to that person on purpose. So even if that person won a race, ah, like I'm sorry, I'm not like like you. I reach out to people that inspire me, that are like just you know are are just down to earth and good people. So. Um, I've had that incident once or twice where I was out at a race, like volunteering and someone was just like a complete jerk to me. And I'm like, it's hard to reach out and, you know, interview them for an hour when, you know, you're out there taking your time to help them and they're not very nice to you. Have you had that experience at all or? Uh, I've had a couple people that I scheduled to interview that just no showed. I'm um, just like vegged on the whole thing where I'm set up and ready to rock and they're not there. I've had um, that. Yeah. Yeah. But it, really not, you know, it's, humbling, it's right? also, Oh yeah. But it's also like who the, the people that I'm picking, you know, and a lot of the people that I'm picking, their first reaction is, why would you ever want to have me on a podcast? And like, nobody wants to hear my story. Uh, I just did a guy that um, failed to finish the Iditarod 350 last year named Scott Holberg, who's not on Facebook and no one's ever heard of him. And his funny comment to me was, we can start at 9 o'clock at night because I'm not going to go too long. Well, it was a five-hour podcast, you know, five-hour oh. one-on-one interview. And, and the whole thing was fascinating, you know, because, I mean, it's, it's a story of a guy pushing it to the limit and then losing his mind because he goes several days without sleeping and, you know, he's hallucinating and they end up having to rescue him on the trail. But, like, those are the kind of interviews I like. And a lot of times I'll get a message, I'll say, you know, who is this person and why do I want to listen to you talking to them for four hours? You know, like <laughs> what the fuck, you know? So it, it's, I'm kind of like in a different lane, you know? And I think yeah. it's nice because then there's more content, you know, there's, you know, the, the, you know, you're not going to get the same thing from me that you're going to get from someone else. So that's kind of cool. I totally agree. It's more like, 
I mean, clearly both of us are in this for the money. So, I mean, this is like the highest paying gig in the world. Um, but it's fulfilling when you share a story that would never have been told. I think there's just some level of satisfaction where you're like, yes, like, like no one would have asked this question or, or no one would have interviewed this person, but I got to it and I was able to like share this important, like inspirational story that would have been lost. Like only well, the, per- only the person that was doing the Iditarod would have known the story, but you let it, you know, you, you put it out there. Well, like for you, it would be when you interviewed Sally McRae's daughter, you know, like that's not something that there's a lot of people in the ultra running world who are like searching for podcasts of Sally McRae's daughter being interviewed, but you got to bring something really interesting and an interesting perspective to runners and what it's like to be a a mom with a, with a running daughter, what it's like to be the daughter of a famous running mom, you know, like that, that was a really neat interview. And it's not the Thank kind you. of thing that yeah. you do just to make money or to get famous. It's the kind of thing where you say, I want to do this interview because I'm really interested in this. Sally was so excited with that. That was apparently uh, her daughter was just like nervous as hell, like the whole day. <laughs> and you know what? It was, that was a special one. But I, I appreciate you. I can even, I even remember exactly where I was when I listened to it. My mom was in hospice and I was staying at her house running by these there's like this turkey farm out in Waukesha, wisconsin i can remember exactly where i was running when i listened to that too it was really a really cool podcast to listen to i appreciate it it was cool to like ask her like hey is your mom a good cook (laughs) it was like (laughs) um you got candid response (laughs) yeah someday i want to i want to do sally too and i think she has a book coming out at some point she does yeah she just sent it to her publisher um awesome Part of me is jealous, like, ah, oh, you have professional editors, you have, like, a professional team. Um, just for the listener's background, I've I've done everything kind of trail runner style, like, just from the ground up. Like, it's just me. Like, if you look at the cover and you're not happy with it, I'm sorry. Like, I had to learn Adobe InShop or whatever the heck it's called. Yeah, well... I designed, I designed everything myself. Like, my editor would... I, I got lost on Moab 240's trail for, like, two miles with my editor. That's how I found my editor, by the way. Well, let's, let's, let's back up just one <laughs> step and say, so you, you have this Instagram account, then you start this podcast, and then when and why do you decide, hey, it's time for me to write a book? I mean, again, it goes to, like, paint it forward and... My only objective with this book is to inspire people, and I felt like there's enough of a story and hopefully enough inspiration to just put it out there. And I've gotten used to the negative reviews, you know, like the one stars. I don't, I don't care. They don't bother me at all anymore. They used to bother me. I used to read every review and like, you know, I'd be bummed out all day on a, a bad review, and now I just smile. Like I. I know if I get enough negative reviews, like, this hit home and, like, took off, and there was enough people that there were some negative reviews. Um, but, yeah, I... For the book, or the podcast, or what? For the podcast, oh, essentially, okay. or, like, a YouTube video. You know, there's there's well, always... YouTube, you don't ever want to read those comments. That, I mean, that's, that's like, one of the, the circles in Dante's Inferno, I, like, to be avoided. They are... 
over-the-top offensive to the point where it's like you just offended every female in the whole world. And it's like, I gotta take that comment down. Okay, and then all of a sudden there's a negative review. Okay, like, as expected, because I don't want to offend people. Well, um, we, we talk about one-star reviews on here, and we re- we read them a lot, not, not for podcasts per se, but for other items. And I'm a firm believer that if you take time to type out a long exactly. one-star review <laughs> hating on me or my podcast, you're a fan. You know, like, like that is the ultimate fan. Because things that I don't like, I just say, fuck that, I don't want that. And just walk away from it. But if you're going to put, like, that kind of love, it, like O.J. Simpson shooting Nicole Brown, like, that's not, you know, like a random act. That is love. That is some are, serious thought. Yeah, planning. You, are, you are digging deep into the, you know, and so, that, I mean, and that's another whole rabbit hole that we went through on the podcast. Like, I thought, like, cream of tomato soup. Campbell's cream of tomato soup on Amazon. Are there one star? Of course, there's one star reviews. Are there long, rambling ones? Of course, there are. Right, and they're they're hysterical because who yeah. the hell buys an eighty cent can of tomato soup and does a you know twenty minute one star review of it? That's love. Yeah. They're fans. I, Scott, again, I knew I liked you. I, I know you're from Wisconsin, but that comment just sealed the deal. Um, that's great. It's good stuff. Right. So, so, you're, so you're, the book, you, you're doing everything. You are writing it, you're, you're producing it, you're everything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I outsource formatting. So there was some lady that for like a hundred bucks would like make the, you know, the, the text look consistent because I honestly, I didn't care enough to like use the same font size and, and character, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, my editor, Julie Moulton, um, is in Minnesota, so she's pretty close to you. She's She did Kettle 100 when I did it, which was a full chapter. And then Moab makes up almost four or five chapters of the book. And she's just a super talented editor. Um, she's able to, like, correct, you know, some minor grammar stuff. So it's like, hey, if I'm going to hire an editor... Uh, an ultra runner is like the best editor I could find. I don't care if this is perfect. There's going to be errors. Like even if I hired, um, I don't know, Harper Collins, there's going to be an error too. Like I just, it's part of my life is I'm not perfect. I mean, there's going to be errors and, uh, let's just roll with it because ultimately it's a story that matters and it's inspiring people to get out and run and be healthy and make that, one or two you know healthy decisions i sound lame but that's my only goal it's my bar is super low like i just want to hit home with a few people if it becomes a new york times bestseller i i don't really care like my goal is for those five emails where they're like i lost 50 pounds because i read your book and like this has changed my life that's oh that's those are the best right those are the best so, that's that's why i do this i don't do it for clearly i don't do it for the money but i don't do it for any other reason to just pay forward you know reading dean carnassus he got he literally added 25 years to my life i'm so happy to be around an extra 25 let's help 10 or 20 other people live for another 25 years you know yeah, I mean, so for me, when I get I get those emails sometimes that say, I just want you guys, the gang, to know that I ran my first half marathon, marathon, 50 mile, 100 mile, whatever it is. 
and I did it all because of you. Like when I get those emails, I'm just like, so like by way of background, I'm a lawyer. I got plenty of money. I make good money. You know, I charge a lot of money by, by the hour, you know? So the podcasting, that money, it's just, it's the best money that I make. You know, every dollar that I make podcasting, it feels different. You know why? Because I'm not doing it to make money. I'm doing it to inspire people. You know, and like we exactly. sell hats and shirts and all that crap. And people like take pictures. Like, there's like, well, send me a picture. I'm in, I'm in New Zealand wearing a 10 Jock Miles hat. You know, like Corey <laughs> Reese. He's always jumping around. He's got the, the 10 Jock Miles hat on. And I'm just like, that makes my day. Corey's you know, the best it, person. Yeah. yeah, it means it's out there, you know? Exactly. And it's so, so much work. It's so much work to send one hat out. But if it makes a difference in that person's life for one week they're out running for that extra week like it's so worth it and you and i both know like if anything the time involved in packaging it and sending it to the post office is like like it's so worth it though and uh seeing those updates where they're smiling wearing your gear is like uh it's almost like seeing your kids out you know, doing something amazing. So, oh yeah, I mean, I've had times where, like, like one time I was in Leadville walking down the street, and there's a dude with a ten jock miles hat walking the other direction, and he didn't like look at me twice, and I'm like, dude's wearing <laughs> one of my hats, you know? <laughs> um, okay, so um, I'm gonna take a break, and I'm gonna sell some of the soup. I gotta read an ad for a local race, and you're gonna do the same. I almost forgot. I'm glad you mentioned it. I was supposed to bring this up. I'm sorry. No problem. <laughs> All right, and we're back. And then, so here's another thing I want to do, and I do this for people that I like and people that write books because I really want people to, to buy their book. So if cool. you are a listener of 10 Jack Miles, or hey, you know what? if you're a listener of Trade for Ultra, I don't care what you listen to. Either way, if you send me a screenshot of your verified purchase review of Train for Ultra and your address, I'll send you a 10 Jack Miles bluff. Okay, it's, a, it's like a, it's like a buff, but it's not made by buff, so we call it a bluff. Um, awesome, but, man. But it's it's really good for people when they write a book to get a lot of reviews and to get you know moves them up in the rankings. So go on Amazon, but before you go to Amazon, click through the banner for Ten Jump Miles. Gives me a little bit of change. Re- buy the book, review the book, and then when you send me your verified review, I will send you a bluff. And people know I do this all the time. I just did it for Dave Clark's book too. Um, so definitely do that. That's All awesome, right. man. I so appreciate how mu- that. How much time are we talking total in this? Like, guesstimate. Is it like 100 hours? Is it 1,000 hours? I started writing this book when I started posting blog posts. Um, I was like 10 blogs in, and I realized, like, ah, like, I don't need to share all this publicly. Um, so, like, if you look up my very first Instagram photo, I think it's, like, beginning of 2016. I started writing and uh it's yeah it's definitely been a thousand hours of labor so over two years yeah yeah is that scary though is it scary now it's out and are you like worried that i mean i know you don't read the bad reviews but are you worried that like you're gonna get like three reviews that say this thing's a piece of shit and then you're just gonna be like oh my god I wasted if, a thousand. if they say it's a piece of shit they didn't read to page 100 and beyond um this honestly turned out better than I anticipated so I initially was going to put it out to like just inspire folks and then once we kept going with it it started rolling to the point where I read it and I'll read a chapter to myself and like I won't cry but I'll definitely tear up and like this is meaningful like 
this is important to me and this is my story and hopefully it hit it hits home with people but i could never have imagined um the book turning out this good so so it exceeded your expectations yeah yeah it's like i was training for a 50 miler <laughs> and uh went out in one tahoe 200 or something you know like it yeah it's just it turned out so much better than i had expected because I was so worried about just general, like I want the story to generally work out, but then I was writing it and then I finished CCC and then I learned a bunch of stuff and then I learned even more and had like profound moments in Moab and my writing skills kept progressing as I was writing and I'm just like really, really proud of it. I know it's not perfect. I'm not perfect. And, um, I mean, what's most important was working with my wife. Like, she would read parts that are important to her, and she would say, like, hey, let's add a sentence about this. And um, having my dad read the whole thing and and being really proud and happy with it. There's so many stories going on kind of underneath the surface. So it's not just me saying, like, hey, this is what happened during this race and just moving on, like, halfway through the book the story starts like i have to lay the foundation but then it really just it takes off onto a level like i hadn't even expected it um but most importantly i'm just i'm i'm like uh incredibly happy with the outcome of the book because of what actually happened in real life like it's um it's important it's important to me um, what, what actually happened in real life is what makes me happiest. So, so here's my other question. Now I'm looking at your ultra sign up and I'm thinking this guy, <laughs> okay. He signed up for the four, but the three big two hundreds, you know, and so you're finishing this up and then you're presumably training your ass off because you have to do these three, 200 mile races or what? Had, that's a, solid question i would say my training over the past few months has been pretty subpar honestly and you know what if i didn't think this book would last like forever because it's in digital form um i probably wouldn't have cared that much but i've put my heart and soul into this book i've trained my ass off um in terms of hours dedicated to this book to help people and to motivate people um i was I was blown away. Like I just did black Canyon hundred K and I thought I was going to feel like crap because I, I really didn't put that much training in probably 15 to 20 miles a week. And, uh, the race just went smooth and I felt great. And mentally, like it was probably the best race I've ever had. So I have Georgia death race coming up. You know, I have, um, Bighorn 100. I have some other races that are going to be some solid long runs into the, triple crown of 200s um and i've i've truly learned if you have base level fitness like you don't need to absolutely kill yourself to get in condition for a 200 miler it's more like just show up um in good shape but not injured so 2018 i learned like injury free is like the ideal condition like even if you're under trained by five or ten percent um I definitely learned that at CCC, uh, UTMB, 
UTMB sister race. Like you don't necessarily have to be running every single day, you know, like as hard as you can. It's okay to just be feeling good and mentally in a really good spot to be able to finish these ultras. But yeah, Triple Crown again, I'm I'm diving in the deep end. That just seems crazy to me. It does. And I don't know how to follow up Moab two forty. Like as a working parent what do you do after you finish Moab 240? I, I don't know. Maybe do, uh, you know, like a 50-miler, like a flat one somewhere, <laughs> something easy. Maybe take a trip to Cancun. I don't know. Like, like I actually had a girl on um, this weekend, uh, Shalini Kovac. She's a, a race director of the Shawnee Hills 100. And she's she's done, like, Herd and AC and all these other crazy races. And you know, we, we get in this conversation about, like, do you have to one up everything that you do? Cause eventually, you know, it's like, yeah. it's kind of like when you meet yeah. the, what I said earlier, you meet the, you know, you meet someone who wants to like do something kind of naughty sexually. And then next thing you know, what do you, you have to like have sex on top of a skyscraper during the 4th of July. I mean, like, <laughs> like, isn't it kind of just, I was, like, I was thinking gamblers, like you keep doubling up, eventually you, you lose, I mean, but, um, that's, that's more of a, that's ready for prime that's time. One example. way to take it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, it's what motivates me. So I've learned I have to do something that motivates me. That's that's important to me. That motivates me to get out and train, and that's what did it. So I mean, thank you, Candace Burt. Like you developed. Have, has, have you been getting out and training? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm recovering from Black Canyon 100K, but yeah, I've probably been doing again very light mileage. Georgia Death Race. I got to switch things up here. And after the audiobook is finished, I'm going to probably go do Pike's Peak um, and, you know, start getting the vert and get comfortable with my lucky poles. And, yeah, I'm very specific um, in terms of training, like, a few months into a race. So, like, Black Ho- or Bighorn 100, 100 miler, like, it's so far removed. It's focus on the goal in front of me. That's Georgia Death Race not an easy race i'm not going to take it for granted and uh i'm going to try to enjoy pike's peak here maybe once or twice and start ramping vert but i'm just i mean my goal is this audiobook right now like i can't control and my i keep telling my wife this i think this is maybe like natural thinking pattern is like to look at the big picture but ccc and moab 240s taught me Focus on the one mile that you have in front of you. Like, you can't do 240 miles all at once. Like, focus in on mile one. Focus in on mile two. Focus on three. And right now, I'm like, focus in on the audiobook. I have a group run tomorrow and Thursday and then Friday. Boulder Run Company and Runner's Roos, Barkley, or Berkeley Running Co., um, but like literally I'm just focused on one goal at a time because otherwise if I look at the big picture, I mean, I have so much on my plate for 2019. I just, I wouldn't be able to function if I looked at the big picture. And I mean, Scott, you're a lawyer, you know, like if you looked at every client that you have right now and all their issues and like everything that's going to court, like you get overwhelmed. So you just open up to that one file and that's all you can focus in on right now and handle that first and then move to the next file right i mean so the answer to the question of why the 
triple crown is that you need something to light a fire mm-hmm. under my ass and that's what's lighting the fire of 2000 <laughs> that, so that's so what's doing it this. for me man. let's say that you go you have the time of your life doing this triple crown that scares me yeah then what i want to run across america at some <laughs> at some point um <coughs> i want to try for an fkt on the colorado trail because that's just completely insane for a uh, middle of the pack I mean, I have so many goals. I want to do Western States, UTMB. Um, you know, there's races everywhere. And I want to take my family to more races. So, you know, if I get invited to some Swedish crazy, you know, like it doesn't even have to be long. It could be a 50K or 100 miler. Um, you know, I want to involve my family more. But yeah, I need that motivation that's important to me. So like every sometimes I'll get a comment like I'll I'll post like my race schedule and people will see like I'm doing the triple crown of 200s and they're like, "Oh, that's nice." Like blah blah blah. And I'm like, "It's not a competition." Again, like kind of my middle of the pack mind frame is like I'm I'm not doing the triple crown of 200s for anyone in the whole world except for me. Like that's what is driving me when I wake up, I get my coffee every morning. I look at my race board and I'm like, I got to focus. Like, this is what I have coming up. Like I know the dates, I know the races, like this is what drives me personally. And whether the listener has a triathlon or a 5k or whatever race they have, or it doesn't have to be a race. If it's just, I want to go hike you know, whatever pass or whatever it is, it has to be important to you. It has to motivate you. And what's really crazy is, you know, if you're lying to yourself, you know, if you're really motivated or not. So don't try to impress other people. It's not about that. It's like, you know, when you wake up, whether you jump out of bed or not. And so you're the same way, Scott, right? Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, and, and I think you're touching on something that might be like a cultural issue in the in the sport. And that's that what, what drew me and attracted me to the sport when I first got here was I went from the marathon world where it's everyone's trying to break, you know, you know, four, three, three and a half BQ, PR, you know, like how fast were you? That's everybody. Everything's kind of focused on that. And then I got to ultra running and it was kind of like. You know, a bunch of people eating pizza and like, you know what, you know, we, I finished and I had fun and that, you know, like, did you have fun was, was kind of a relevant question. And I think that, you know, go ahead. I was going to say it's the most important question. (laughs) Well, but there are people, you know, in situations like where people see that you're doing these three 200s, they're like, wow, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just doing a 50K or I'm just doing a whatever. And, you know, I think that we have, we have a hard time you know, trying to just compare ourselves to ourselves and, you know, remember that, you know, my first 50 mile or, or my, you know, whatever it is that I do, it's, it, it, it's not comparing it to what someone else is doing. It's comparing it to, you know, how I feel and how much fun that I have, you know, and you might be in a place in your life where you don't want to do a whole bunch of hundred milers next year. You want to do a couple 50 milers and maybe crew or pace or work at aid station. People shouldn't feel insecure and, and, right. and compare themselves to you and feel less than because they're doing less races. To, to me, that's the kind of crazy that results in people getting injured or people getting alienated or walking away from the sport and saying, well, you know what? I just can't keep up because I can't go to Europe and I can't go to do Marathon de Saab. So I'm just going to have to quit this sport. And that that concerns me. I, I couldn't agree more. 
Yeah, it's an issue. Um, I mean, part of what is in the back of my mind, at least for Moab 240, was let's show people what the middle of the pack is capable of. So it's a balancing act for me, at least, is like what's driving you, what's motivating you, how can I push my limits and be excited? I was so freaking excited at the beginning of CCC and Moab and even Never Summer. Like, you know, every race I pick, I'm. it's very rare I'm on a start line and I'm not excited. And if I am, I'm like, I've learned the hard way. Like, don't race those races. When you think you'll start at the start line and not be excited, like, don't start that one. Start over, like, cancel it on Ultra Sign Up and they won't mention it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to show the middle to back of the pack, like, we're capable of more. Like, you, the listener, right now, if you think you can do a half marathon, I think you can do more. Like, if you put in smart training and you practice nutrition and hydration and listen to some 10 junk miles every now and then and, you know, pick up some tips, like, you can do more. Like, you're capable of more. Um, so it's a balancing act for me at least. And I got to put – Scott, I got to put some of your races on the radar here. What what races are you – are you race directing now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, you're excited about it? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't know where I'm going to come up with the time. Yeah, we're putting on the Badger right? Trail 100, which is um, – so I found this trail. Uh, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't invent it. It was up there. And uh, it's in Wisconsin. It's a little bit south of Madison. And it was an old railroad trail that went from Madison to Freeport, Illinois, flat mm, as cool. you as you like, and uh, no concrete or asphalt. It's just like a rail trail, a little bit of crushed gravel, a little bit of grass. It's not a hard trail. It's not a technical trail. It's not a hilly trail. Um, it's just it's just a cool trail. It's like a pretty cool trail. And in the middle, you know, there's like a bunch of trestle bridges, and there's a couple covered bridges. And in the middle of it, there's this quarter mile long. 130 year old tunnel that the train used to go through and it, it's just creepy i mean and it curves a little <laughs> bit so when you get in the middle of the tunnel you can't see anything you know and uh i just love this trail and i and i've spent a couple of years trying to figure out how can i do a race on this trail and then finally my friend uh adam bankers and i put our heads together and, and this was the year we decided screw it we're gonna do it so we're putting on it's a it's a 100 mile 100k 50 mile 50k marathon half marathon everybody goes through the tunnel at least twice um it's not going to be a hard race and it's not going to be, it's not going to, you know, it's not That's, technical. You know it's just who cares, day who's, the who cares if it's a hard race. I mean, it's all truly what it's all about is those conversations when you're running, like during a race, like meeting people you would never have met. You know, when you zone out, having the experience like internally with yourself and living in the present and just enjoying the moment. Like that's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, did you get this, belt buckle or metal and like i don't know and my I think whole it's pers- gonna be fun it's gonna be really that's really what it's fun. all about you know, that i don't think anybody's gonna walk away from going that that sucks when uh, when is the race by the way it's august 3rd and 4th and it's uh, uh okay here in wisconsin and yep. uh there's like three breweries within uh probably 20 minutes of the of the race course the nuclear's brewery the wisconsin brewery in verona and then the minhas brewery which is the second oldest brewery in the country uh, all three within, you know, like, so a lot of people are going to come, they're going to do a bunch of breweries. They're gonna do, we have free camping in one place. And, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a really good time. Uh, 20, first year, 
Sorry, I was going to say 2020. I'm there, man. Just okay, yeah. So just let me yeah, know. We'll have some of the kinks worked out by then, but uh, yeah. So 2019, and then uh, right now we have about uh, almost 300 people signed up for the. For That's the races, amazing. So we have 81 people in the 100 miler. I keep wondering, like, when is someone going to look at this? You know, you know, there are people like elites or even sub elite runners out there that are going to say, "Ooh, I could go win this hundred. You know, because even yeah. even if it's a new race and it's you know you know a flat race somebody they like to win the hundred you know so there's you know someone's going to set the course record and win the hundred the hundred k the 50 you know so so this is i was looking at it and i was like it depends on where the timing mats are and where the porta potties are so that um i can definitely cheat the course and win no Um, there'll be no cheating no cheating at all no cheat okay I was trying yeah, to seg- I was trying to segue into marathon investigations for you. Oh yeah. Are well, you going to start ultra running investigations or well, is it we just- do okay. Yeah, we do talk about Kelly Agnew on there. I um, like I do- really like that episode. That was enjoyable. Just, was Davey Crockett was talking about it. It was solid. Yeah. Yeah. So we do talk about that, but I mean th- that's another interesting thing because now the history of me and Derek is that so Derek Murphy marathon investigation, he kept posting in the trail and ultra running facebook group and every time he did i would comment and say what the hell does this have to do with trail running we get in this big fight and at some point then he said he wasn't making any money and i said well why don't you show me your tax returns we had this huge epic battle and then i kind of dared him to come on my show and debate with me um because you know i think that there are parts of the marathon investigation i don't agree with so he came on and we had this two hour like debate about the ethics of it because to me, yes, marathon cheating is, is bad. I agree with that. But you know what's even worse? Public humiliation. Like, didn't that go out in like the 1500s or something? Like, why are we, why are we putting these get links the on tomatoes Facebook? out and like exactly you know, get your head in the what? What is that thing called? The gallows. Yeah, yeah. So he and I disagreed on a lot, and then uh, down the road he decides he's going to do a podcast, and he's like, "Wow, that Coomer guy, he's kind of a jerk," and he takes the other side and he sticks up for everybody. Maybe I'll have him be the co-host. So a lot of times I'm the yin to his yang, but uh, I said, "Sure, you know why not?" Because you know, like, one of my problems with some of these people is that they don't have a voice because the article comes out and they disappear from the internet and they would never hear from them again. And you know, like Kelly Agnew is a good example. You know, a lot of people they don't agree with this, but I would love to talk yeah. to him for three hours about what happened because he didn't like wake up one day and say i want to cheat at ultra marathons and piss off all my friends you know like there's there's probably a really good story there i mean honestly i feel like it's one of those tv shows like i don't know what it is uh, cheaters is it cheaters where they like confront the person and they run off and drive away like yeah I think I like not that. cheater cheat like not marathon cheating but like cheating on your wife or whatever it is um <laughs> uh I feel like it's if you're not talking to anyone, you're almost guilty if you don't try to counter it. I don't know, just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and he, I think he is. I don't think that I don't think anybody thinks that he's not guilty. Um, what I think is he's not bad. You know, oh, I don't I, think that, yeah, I, I don't. I didn't think that it was just. I think it's you're sick, or there's something faulty with the reasoning. But I don't think like people just want to be evil and want to cheat and you know my suspicion is that maybe he you know like cut the course once and got away with it and then he had to like do it the next time and you know it's kind of like when you like if you bounce a check or something and just you know you just keep doing it over and over again i don't know but i'd I'd really like to hear the story and then for some of those i'd like to see my name printed in like ultra runner magazine or i run far at like you know 
you know, Rob Sager won this race and blah, blah, blah. And then I can see it being like addictive after a while and, and don't want it to go away. I mean, I can see that becoming just some kind of total mess and maybe that's what it was. I, I don't know. It's, I don't want to destroy someone. So I, I like you, like I, I would need to talk to the person. So maybe yeah, I should but hold I just, back I would a like bit. to get the story out someday and hopefully he'll come out of the woodwork and tell the story. And then a lot of people will say, well, we don't want to give a platform to him. And you know, you, well, you know, I think one, one star, Scott, one star, one star. Yeah, that's a one star here's, review waiting to Here's happen. a whole page why I think this is a one star. Even though like, you know, you have no life talking to that guy. I have a so, I have a life writing a whole paragraph or page. Who do you want to interview really bad, but you've never been able to interview? Uh the ginger runner. Like we've we've talked, uh, Ethan Newberry, we've talked a few times and like the guy's just so freaking busy. Um he just doesn't have time to do many interviews. And uh, I would say in terms of inspiration, like his music, he just came out with a cool new album. I It brings up emotions for me because I remember like some of my very, very first runs and like turning on some of his music. And that was my inspiration or like learning from some of his, his Ginger Runner Live episodes. So I know it's, he's like uh, kind of a, kind of a mainstream trail runner guy at this point, but um, I'll be honest, like that's that's kind of who I'm hopeful to get on at some point, just because I think he's just a cool dude. But he's accessible, right? I mean, he's not a, he's not a hard no, he's just a wet. Oh, he's, he's not a no, he's just, he like either doesn't respond or like, I'm so busy, dude, like I'd love to do it. Like, he's just, I, I understand. Like Who the hell is that busy? Nobody's that busy. Come on. I got a full-time job, I got a podcast, I got a race direct. Nobody's that busy. Wait, so legally, like, legal-wise, legal I should just, like, plead the fifth? Is that what I'm supposed yeah. to do? Okay, is that what you no, recommend? You just, gotta, you just gotta put your head down and just keep saying, no, I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm just gonna keep this. reaching out. I'm just gonna Who keep... Who else? Give me, give me a couple more. I'm, I'm interested in this. Um, well, it sucks. I was gonna have the whole um, Coconino Cowboy crew on, and then they did Ginger Runner. Uh, that does week, that matter to you? I mean, they like, yeah, yeah, it does. I try to space things out so that I don't overwhelm the listener with like the same um, story or same people. So I like, I intentionally, if someone, if like a ultra runner podcast like did a real in depth like two hour talk with someone on let's say Black Canyon hundred K because they just want it. Um, like Matt Daniels, for instance, I was planning on speaking with him and then I was like, eh, like, dude, let's just go have a beer. Like, we don't have to do an interview right now. Like you're definitely going to be an interview at some point. Um, let's just like chill for a while. I think he did ginger runner live and then he did ultra runner podcasts. And like before the race, we were talking and hanging out. Um, he's just a super nice dude. But again, I try to not like just completely overkill like if you know the ultra running community has kind of like grilled him like let's give him a break like part of me is like i just want to respect that person because i know how busy they are but at the same time i want a unique angle and i want to add value to the listener so that and last one would be jim wamsley like like we've interacted he's a super nice dude um 
and I've just been patient. And I know I know all these people will be on the podcast eventually. It's just like wait for the time. And it's sort of like the Sally McRae episode in my head or like the um the Carl Meltzer episode. It's like just wait, like I know the interview is going to be amazing. Just be patient and like it'll all work out and just trust that eventually Ethan will reach out and say I have 45 minutes. <laughs> how about how about you? Who who have you reached out to and just got either a no or like a like did you have you ever received like an offensive response? Like most people just either don't respond or I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm trying to think. Of, I can't think of anybody that was like a hard no. I think there's a few people that were like a yeah, 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 but they they didn't really mean it. And you kind of get a sense of that when you start um, scheduling because you start like you're sending a message. Okay, here's my dates. Do any of these dates work for you? And then you know they get back to you like two months later. And they're like, oh, I'm just seeing this now. Then you know that they're not someone that's in, and and it doesn't necessarily mean that they think that my show is crap, which which they might. I mean that's fine. Right, right. Uh, but sometimes it's also just like they're busy or there's some people that just don't like talking about themselves or, you know, they're, right. they're afraid of, you know, cause you know, and, and like my show, my interviews are a lot more um, kind of like esoteric, you know, it's not like a hard interview. It's just like, let's just talk like we're going on a long run. And yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. as, as a good example, um, John, like we're Figueres, going for a 10 mile run. Yeah. Like, so John Figveresi, the guy that finished the um, uh, Barkley, the year yeah. they made the movie. Yep. So he came on once and then we we talked and I didn't know anything about him. And he didn't know anything about me. And then we, we talked for three hours. And then he he, um, he contacted me the next morning and he said, well, I got done. And my wife said, what you guys talk about? <laughs> and he said, I don't know. It just went by really fast. But she said, well, how do you know you didn't say something stupid? And he's like, oh, so he, he actually asked me to send him the file so he could listen to it before I released it. Because like, well, because we went on like he's a, the like nicest a dude in the world. Oh, yeah. So we, we talked about like global warming and like uh, what he does in Antarctica and his like we went on all these tangents, you know, and he's just like, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. But that's, you know, that's the way my interviews are, you know, and sometimes we're just talking about random crazy shit. I'm just, um, I'm of so, the opinion, like, I don't want the person on my podcast if if they're not really feeling it, they're not like excited. Like, in my opinion, like I'm kind of doing a disservice to the listener if I have them on and they're just like, yeah, like, oh, totally. You know, so, and, you know. So like that's what I said to Sally when she she asked me like, what's what's your time frame? And I said, sometime when you have one to two hours and nothing to do, and you right. could be totally chill and drink a couple glasses of wine and just chat about life. You know, like that's that's the kind of vibe that I'm looking for. She'll My, she'll find time. She's like the nice, seriously one of the nicest people in the world. She'll. Oh, I think so. And then yeah. people, we sell the shit she's, out of people's books and stuff too. So that that'd be really good for her, like pre-sale, especially if she's got a publisher and wants to get some pre-sale numbers. That'll we I can mean, boost those up. I like the sound of that. Yeah. So my <laughs> my list is is a lot of. Um, I mean, you. I guess you might not even know who these are. We talked about Kelly. We talked about Sally. The big three on my list that I can't stop: uh, Eric Strand. I don't even know him. He's a, he's like a guy with a normal job who um, he works in the hotel business and he goes to Leadville every year and does a double grandmas and he's just everywhere on the internet. And I think he's just an interesting guy and I really want to do him. I mean, um, if, if I come across these people, I'll help you out, man. Seriously. John Vanderpott, who's, um, he's a professor at, 
down in uh, Southern California. And he does all of these races, all the hard races. He wears like a messenger bag and a floppy hat. And it's like, he doesn't even look like he's running. He's just, he just finishes everything. The guy's just incredible, but, but he's playing chess with me. So that's, that's a whole different thing. I have to finish that. And then the last one's Alberto Salazar because, so I have a bedroom and, and a lot of, famous ultra runners have come and stayed at my place and slept in the guest bedroom so for a while we called it the ann tracen bedroom and then after that we called it the camille heron bedroom but what we need is alberto salazar because then all three of the of the americans that have finished or that have won the comrades nice. will have stayed at my house nice. and hung out with my dog so that's that's one of my bucket list items is to get alberto salazar to sleep in my guest bedroom i need to start with a house and then uh, go from there but yeah that's that's amazing man that's really cool. yeah, and I, and I love the comrades. I'm doing that again this year, so that's that's like my my big trip of the year. Camille's like Camille's like a seriously amazing person. She um she wrote one of the parts of the forward of the I book. I read that. Yeah, it's really she's nice. she was the very first person to respond and reach out and like literally just whatever you need. Like send me a book. She might be at the book release party. Like she's just amazing person, so I don't know how she does it all, um, but I'm I'm sure that's the same experience you've had. She's just such a nice person. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're her and her husband are super cool, and so they stayed here with me and her and my dog went running together and just like hung out in Chicago. And uh, she, the funny thing is, so like the last day they were here, I said, "I want to take you out for dinner. I'll take you someplace nice." You know, we have, Chinatown, Greektown, Little Italy. I mean, we have steakhouses. Yeah, everything. It's in Chicago, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we drove by Culver's, and uh, she said, <laughs> you know, we really like the Culver's. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, I, I'll take you out anywhere you want to go, you know? That's like we my had, kid. <laughs> we got Culver's. We ate it on my kitchen table, you know? So, yeah, but she, yeah, super, super fun, super cool and sadier. And, and you know, there's some of those elites that are, you know, not nice to her and, and stuff. I don't understand that at all because she is just the nicest person. We're all the outcasts. That's what I don't understand. It's like the trail running community. We're all the outcasts. Like how how within our subgroup of outcasts can we ever say anything bad about any other person like don't get it i don't get it i mean there's so many other like bigger issues going on yeah so who is the favorite person you ever interviewed your favorite interview ever ah man you're asking the hard you say you don't hit hard but um i haven't felt like crying on uh interview ever besides sally mcrae that one hit like super hard for me personally and I was holding back and letting her open up. And it was super hard because I had so many questions. But it was like, I felt like part of me was like, just let Sally express what she needs to express. And then um, I teared up. I haven't told anyone this before. I teared up when I was running Bandera 100K last year. And I interviewed mario mendoza and he had never been interviewed before and i was like i was looking through podcasts i'm like why has no one ever interviewed this guy he's super talented like the nicest dude um and so i'm on mile probably 50 of the 100k and i i got a message like (laughs) mario mendoza won the 100k and he again he wrote part of the forward of the book but like i still 
we resonated so well on that podcast and like he opened up he he i think teared up on that podcast and it meant so much to him and then he leveraged it and went out the next week and won you know bandera 100k got his golden ticket and yeah getting that message like 50 55 miles in that that uh he had won like i just was in total awe that he hadn't had his breakthrough performance i felt like that interview did it for him and like it helped me finish my race which was even weirder but how about you what's what's like your favorite or top two three uh well number one i always say is uh samantha gash and a lot of americans don't know her but um she's an australian runner who uh there was a movie, uh, Desert Runners, about the people that did the Four Deserts uh, marathon. And uh, well, her background is she she went she was a law student. She was going on to have a great law career. She did this Four Desert thing, and one of the races she ends up getting sexually assaulted during it. And then she goes back and finishes from the point where the assault happened. And she has this like amazing story. Uh, goes on, works at a law firm, and then just kind of runs ultras in this on the side. And then at some point, I'm paraphrasing Samantha. If you listen to this, I'm sorry. Um, at some point she, um, you know, she's like the girl down the hall that's always doing that. You're, you're, you're that person. I'm that person. You know, everybody around you is like, oh, they go run those crazy races on the weekends. Um, so one day Mimi Anderson comes to her marvelous Mimi, who's a British legend and says, Hey, let's run across South Africa to raise money, to build a factory, to, to make feminine hygiene products for women. Because like one in three women drop out of school in South Africa because of lack of access to feminine hygiene products. So it's like, it's like 2000 miles. And Samantha's like, mm, I don't know how I'm going to get off work for that. You know? So she bails on her career and goes and, and becomes an advocate and changes the world through running. And just all she does is inspire people and try to change the world. And she's not the fastest runner in the world. She's not, you know, she's just kind of short, nice little Australian girl, like the girl next door. And she just, she ran across India a couple of years ago. India! It's, it's like, it's huge. It's like bigger than America. And it's got the freaking mountains in the middle of it. Um, so that, she was my, probably my all-time favorite. And then I, I guess number two is, um, I don't know if you know this guy, Grant Mon. No. So here, here's what Grant Mon did last year. And these are just the things I know. The Iditarod 350-mile race in Alaska. The Arrowhead 135. Okay, I know who this is, yeah. The Tuscobia 160. He won Vol State. He did Badwater, AC 100. And in the middle of all that, he just he went climb Mount Everest just for fun, you know? And he's a ship captain. You know, he flies, he drives like ships all over the world. That's another one where I just was like, that's it was kind of like what you said. Nobody's ever interviewed him. Why hasn't anybody ever? He's like the most fascinating man of the world. Australian as well. So I guess I got a thing for the Australian people. Can I, can I tell you? So like I was watching, I forget, I think it was Netflix or something last night. And my wife's getting concerned because she sees, like I turn on Everest. And I think it's a TV show actually from like a few years back. So the beginning, like the first episode or two, I'm like... I got this. Like, eventually, I think when I'm, like, 50, 55, like, you know, the kids are off to college. Like, I've got to experience that. Like, I could go for this. Maybe I could do this. Like, this sounds fun and exciting. This is climbing Mount Everest? Yeah, yeah. See, you've got the disease. You have to You have to stop, Rob. You have to stop. You're, this, by, the you're last, gonna... by the last episode, they all lost their fingers and toes, and I'm like, okay, totally not yeah. worth it at all. Like, wow. But 
you know what it is, Scott? It's once you break through this wall, it you break through this wall and you realize like, ah, like limits are kind of just self decided. Like they're within my head. So once you break that, um, I mean, sky's the limit. Like you can go run across India if you really have the desire. If you think it's meaningful. If it's important to you, like you can go do amazing things. So, unfortunately, I've broken that internal governor on what's possible and not. And now I'm like, ah, I'll just go write a book. I'll just go do whatever because, like, nothing's intimidating. Like, I'm just not scared of anything at this point. Well, I'm totally with you on the meaning thing. <clears throat> I mean, meaning and impact are the the metrics by which I'm making the decisions in my life now. You know, like I'm when I decide to sign up for a race, I think. How could this impact people, you know, people that listen to the show or people that follow me, you know, totally. and, and whether I succeed or fail. But <clears throat> I think the other thing, like when you were talking about the what's next and the more and the more and the more is I thought sometimes I just say, maybe I'll drop down to 50. You know? Oh, totally. Have, have a nice day. You know, eat a piece of pizza and give out some hugs. Yeah, it's not necessarily distance for me. It's like just what drives me. If that's like, I don't know, like a Speedgoat 50K. I see that as exciting as a hundred miler in a lot of cases. Like it's just a new experience for me. It's all about exploring an adventure. Like I know I probably sound like a North face, like advertisement or something, but like, that's what I'm all about. Like, you know, getting out and exploring. And I just, since my dad almost, you know, he had a big health scare that was the kickoff, which I think you probably read about like that. That was the catalyst for me. Like, Life's too short. Who cares what anyone says? Like, go have fun. Go explore. Like, do what really motivates you. Help people. Bring them along. You know, share the experience. Spend time with your family. Like, just live life. I mean, I think so many people are so focused on the past. Like, oh, like, if I had only done this right, like, this would be so much better. Or I'm so worried about what I have in the future. Like, I can't do anything because... I'm so nervous about this future. Like, I have to do public speaking all week. I'm not a public speaker. I've really never publicly spoken about running. I It just doesn't bother me. I'm living the moment. Scott, My I'm just in the moment right now talking to you. So I think if more people focused on being present, like, there'd be a hell of a lot more, a hell of a lot less anxiety and a lot more smiles. And that's what I'm all about. I... Again, I'm not trying to sound corny, but... Well, I don't think it's corny at all. I mean, I'm totally with you. I've had... Um, I lost four friends this year. Um, three of them in their 20s. Uh, one of them, you might you might have actually ran with... Uh, did you run with Randy Kotke at Moab? Was he a Moab guy? Yeah, you know, he... yeah, I did, actually, yeah. yeah. In 18? Yeah, so he... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I saw him two days before he died, you know? I mean, he, there's a guy that went and ran... What he, he did Tahoe this year. So he ran Tahoe 200 in September, and in uh, late January he died. You know, I mean, who knows when that's going to happen? My closest running friend, Alfredo, he he got ALS. You know, about uh, two or three years into my ultra run career, we did our first hundred together. He got ALS. You know, eighteen months later he was dead. I mean, so I'm I'm totally with you on that. You know, going you got to I mean you got to temper it with you know you got to pay the bills and take care of the family and you exactly know, you, you got to be responsible, but. You know, when, when when an opportunity presents itself, like for me to go to South Africa and run the Comrades this year, I say, well, you know, I could die. So I'm going to go do it now. You I know, never, I'm going to go get it done. 
I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, I don't want to look back and say, what if I, you know, went for that race? Like, no, no, it's go do that race. Like, if anything, maybe you could ask why you did it. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you, do you run the, um, for Alfredo, is it the longest turkey trot in the world? Yeah. Well, I, it, it I want to do until that. Somebody sues me and tells me that it's not right. So I just keep right. saying it. And no one's ever argued with me about it. But me and Alfredo, we ran um, one year. He uh, wanted to run one more hundred and we, we didn't have any hundred nearby. So I said, let's just run to Milwaukee. Meet me That's downtown so cool. Chicago, bring your credit card. We'll bring a backpack and we'll just we'll just run to Milwaukee. Wow. It's about 100 miles. And so we. Um, we set off on this journey and didn't have a plan and we shouldn't have finished. It was like seven degrees. It was just crappy. And, uh, lo and behold, as we started to progress, the ultra community, we were like, Jesus, these guys are going to do it. So then people started coming out and supporting us and hanging out with us. And, you know, so we, we made this journey and then, uh, the next year he couldn't go because he had gotten sick. So we did it the other direction from Milwaukee, Chicago, Then he died. So the third year we did it to remember him. And now we've decided we're calling it the Alfredo Pedro Perro World's Longest Turkey Trot for ALS. And uh, last year we raised $10,000 for ALS. Um, it's uh, just self-supported, fat-ass style, dirt bag, get from point A to point B. And we do a lot of hanging out in gas stations and uh, eating fast food and suffering. But uh, we got it done. That. That's, well, hey, that's every so Black awesome, Friday, man. come on. Next year we're going from... Uh, chicago to milwaukee so so you alternate every other year yeah like the, the direction. direction changes every year yeah oh, and totally uh you know, I, make, I make belt buckles for everybody and you know somebody makes t-shirts and but i mean but mostly what we're doing is just getting people we get a link to the les turner als foundation in chicago and people just donate right to them we don't even touch the money we don't do anything that's all awesome. we do is run and uh yeah it's a, it's a cool be, thing we do you should be really proud of that that's absolutely amazing um yeah, I'll definitely take part in that at some point. If there's a stupid idea and it involves running and it does some good in the world, I'm probably showing up for it. That's. I think ultimately that's why I like you, Scott. Yeah. I was trying to figure it out, this whole hour and a half conversation. Like, I think that's it. That's beautiful. Well, that's what we're doing. That's what we're out there doing. You know, that's what the podcast is about. That's what the, you know, that's what it's all about. So I will... Um, let you go um but again i just want to again tell everybody get the book review the book and just send me a screenshot of your review uh and if you do then i will and, and your address i will send you a bluff because you know you 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 i can tell you one thing and i can i can guarantee this after reading only 50 pages of this book you haven't read a book like this before you know there's a lot of books by you know how to do something and there's a lot of books by people that have already accomplished a lot but there's not a lot of books about somebody in the middle just telling you their stories from the middle i appreciate it it's um it is on amazon for the kindle version it's on trainingforultra.com for the physical copy and just reach out if you want me to sign it or personalize it um yes yeah, is the hard copy going to be on amazon I don't know yet. I'm okay. again. This is like grassroots, like trail runner style, like essentially dirtbag uh, book writing in a weird sense. Like, like I don't want to give away my story to a publisher right now. Like this is, I hold it, you know, very close to myself, and 
uh, right now that's the only way I can do it. So, well, if at some point you want to, you know, if you take your show on the road as some people do, um, you know, like, like I've said to Corey in the past too, like just go to a city and say, you know, there's race here, go yeah. to pre-race meeting with a bunch of books and just sign books. And, you know, if you sell a book, you sell a book. If you don't, you don't, <coughs> excuse me, uh, let me know, you know, cause there's all that's the Midwestern awesome. races and, you know, it'd be, it'd be fun to have you. And if you ever need a place to stay in Chicago, Oh, oh my yeah, gosh! The runners stay here. My God, everybody the, slept here. The training for ultra room, or yeah, you can, no? You can the train, you know, no, I'm kidding. It's, it's been the, the dusty Olsen room. And the, <laughs> I mean, it's just and we just bought a guest book finally because we, we decided all these all these famous runners have stayed in there. It's like everybody <laughs> has stayed in this room. I mean, is there a? There's no other bedroom that has housed two comrades champions. I don't think there is. Yeah. I mean, likewise, remarkable. likewise, if you're in Denver. You have to shout out, and uh, yeah, we can go check out some trails and hang out. And yeah, I just I enjoyed the conversation. I don't think this will be our our only conversation. I truly enjoyed it, and your your running knowledge is super vast. Like, and you've talked to people that no one else has talked to. So we'll stay in close touch. And yeah, again, thank you for your generosity, and it's truly an honor to be on Ten Junk Miles. So thank you very much, Scott. All right, so you guys, uh, Training for Ultra is the book. Training for Ultra is the podcast. Check it out. They've interviewed a lot of our old friends and uh, even some people that you might not have heard of. So, and That's episode 79. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you again to 10 Junk Miles. Awesome podcast. Scott Coomer is just a super nice dude. We'll have him on again. That was just a fun conversation. So thank you to the sponsors, Ultimate Direction, Destination Trail, Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, and Exoskin. Definitely check those guys out. I utilize all of their products and run their races uh, throughout 2019. They're just excellent supporters and very, very honored to work with them. And again, if you're interested in the book, check it out. It's on trainingforultra.com for the physical copy. I'll ship one out to you personally. And it's on Amazon for the Kindle edition. And the audiobook will be out in late March. So thank you guys. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a good one.